We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, Grinders! Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD, if you want to follow me there on Twitter. And it's Monday. Mondays with McCool. You know what we do on Mondays here. We're not going to go over yesterday's slate. I don't even know what happened over the weekend. It's all a blur over the weekend. I was sick, so I didn't play any DFS. And good thing I didn't play MMA because I probably would have lost all my money because only two underdogs won. And you know my strategy. I typically play a ton of underdogs. So maybe it was for the best. But we're here on Mondays with James McCool, the co-author with me of The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass at theoryofdfs.com. Also the purveyor of his his models over at paydirtdfs.com. And I, I know you deal, I know we seem to be talking about this every week, but I mean it's it's the number, it's the like the number one thing when it comes to to, to modeling. The sport, and I know that you you prefer to try you do try to get on trends early. You try mm-hmm. to that you take the risk on smaller sample sizes and see if you could catch on to something before the field can. Uh, now that we're getting a little little bit more a little bit bigger sample size, uh, do, do you have any type of uh, findings on like how the spin rates of pitchers? We saw Santiago got thro- got ejected. For who knows what in his in his glove or something? Who know? I mean, sometimes they they're checking these pitchers. They had that. I remember they were checking that knuckleball pitcher that gave up a million runs for the for the Orioles. It's like, what what is he putting up? Like it's he throws a knuckleball. Like there's no, yeah. like what what there's what else were you gonna put? It would hurt it if anything if you put anything on the ball. I mean, one he throws a knuckleball, and two he gave a million runs. Like why are you checking this guy? Right? There's, why? There's, why are you in fact, the other team should say, please don't check it. Right. Yeah, just just leave him out there. Whatever yeah. whatever he's putting on the ball, let him keep on doing it. <laughs> uh, I mean, the short answer is no, I haven't found anything. Like, okay. But I mean, but the eye test, I mean, everyone was talking about, yeah, 
The only thing I know yesterday is that Garrett Cole gave up a bunch of runs. Yeah, so I was going to get to that. There, there are some guys that it kind of looks like that Garrett Cole was a bad pitcher and then became the best pitcher in baseball, and then now he's a bad pitcher again. He wasn't so like, that bad. When he played for the Pirates, he wasn't that bad. He was an he was an above-average pitcher. Okay. Above average pitcher. So he went from above average to one of the best pitchers in baseball to maybe an average pitcher. Well, we don't know that. We don't know if he's an average pitcher now. Well, he also, we also have to, I also have to throw in, he went, he went from the pirates to the Astros. The Astros got caught cheating. Yeah. So who knows what else they've been cheating with over the years. They seem to take, like, we see that Astros, uh, pitching staff. No, they, they turn pitchers into gods. Right. So like, so you always have that like in the back of your head and then he goes to the Yankees does perfectly fine until they crack down on this. He doesn't answer questions. And now, you know, he still has, he still has good stuff, but he doesn't, he's, he's not, he's not the 12 K per nine type of pitcher anymore. No. And so like, he's one of them where it, it kind of appears that the, the crackdown has really affected him. And I noted that, um, but then you had that situation with Julio Arias on the Dodgers, who he literally could not find the strike zone in, in like not his last start, but the start before that could not find the strike zone, walked like five batters, uh, was getting hit left and right. Like he looked like he was done too. And then this last start, he comes out and he strikes out 11 out of 15 batters. Kershaw, the same thing. Like Kershaw kind of looked like he'd lost a step comes out this last start strikes out everybody on the moon. So uh, it's, it's kind of like, there's this really, really inconsistent streak of, I, I think that pitchers have had to adjust to it. And I think that the good pitchers are still going to adjust to it. Um, the guys like, uh, like Kershaw or, I mean, DeGrom is untouchable. Julio Arias, he's been trained by Kershaw. Like those kind of guys, I think that they are going to have their hiccups and they're probably going to have speed bumps. And along the way, maybe their floor is worse but I think that the good pitchers are probably going to still maintain their ceiling and still maintain their medians. Whereas the pitchers who were completely reliant on uh, substances and, and completely reliant on a little bit of a helping hand, they're going to, they're just going to drop down to earth like Eric Cole. So um, it's, we don't know anything really yet because of all the inconsistencies. My guess, if I had to say one now would be that over the course of the season, those inconsistencies are going to continue. Uh, the floors of all the pitchers are going to be lower as a result of it, but I think the good pitchers are still going to maintain their ceilings and their medians. I mean, yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to admit that, like, if if a, if a guy, yes, in the first, in like his first start or something since the crackdown, you know, maybe he tries to do something that he's not used to doing, right? And then he comes back and he adjusts to it, but like you don't just you don't just turn into like like with that Kershaw example, like if you're striking out 10, 12 guys. I mean, like. That isn't an aberration. It's not like, oh, we found a new sticky stuff that they can't no. catch type of thing. Like, like I, I I think I'm more inclined to trust a long-term sample size mm-hmm. and maybe uh, incre- basically increase the standard deviation. Yeah. So like my, my attitude is, is that I'm hoping that the field adjusts too much and says, yeah. are ace pitchers ace pitchers anymore? And they go under-owned and... I'm more likely to just trust the range of outcomes, knowing that like the variance is just going to be higher on starting pitchers. Now mm-hmm. we're so used to, to, to an MLB DFS where the, the variance of starting pitchers is the, the thing that you could find the one thing in MLB 
They could be like, okay, the best projected pitchers over the course of the entire season. If I just played the best, if I just take the top five projected pitchers and just build lineups with those, whether it be on FanDuel with one pitcher or DK on two pitchers, like most likely I'm going to, I'm going to win by the differentiation of bats and just like, don't even worry about it. What his last start was. I mean, look at Luis Castillo. He started the year horrible. And now he actually looks like he's Luis Castillo again. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, like, so was, was he using this? I mean, you would have to think the opposite. Maybe, maybe he was trying to use the stuff, <laughs> not doing it well. And then just like, oh, okay. I don't have to do this anymore. And now he pitches. Well. Castillo. Um, I mean, his, his problem was that he just didn't have the velocity at first. In the first like month of the season, he was just down like three miles an hour and, when you're a guy who relies so much on like having a good fastball and your fastball is only hitting 94 now and some 97, like you're kind of screwed. Like you can't do the same things that you can do. So Castillo getting back up, that one makes sense. But I, I tend to agree with you that the standard deviation is probably just going to be higher. Um, there are a couple guys, I mean, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, I, I am willing to believe that they will take a step back just because of the history of those pitchers and because of the history of like what we know about those pitchers not how they have acted about substances and how they have treated the entire situation. Like I'm willing to believe that those guys will take a step back if they are not allowed to rely on those things anymore. And maybe there's more guys like that. I don't know, but I I think that for the most part, pitchers are just going to have to adjust to it. Hopefully we don't see too many injuries come from it. Like we did Tyler glass. Now that still sucks. Like having him be injured because of that crackdown mid season, it really sucks. But um I, I do think that the standard deviation is just going to be higher outside of a couple very choice cases. Like Trevor Bauer pitches tonight. I'm willing to bet that he's, he's not the same pitcher anymore because he, he went from being like a good pitcher. I mean, he was a good pitcher. He was a and great he was like, pitcher. What do you mean? He's a good pitcher. He's a great pitcher. He, right. He was a good to great pitcher before he started using substances. And then he was like, Hey, I know that I can increase me. He literally said it. I know I can increase my fastball RPMs by 400 if I do this thing, but I haven't done it because I'm not the worst. And then he increases RPMs by 400 because he's the worst. And now it's going to come back down to where like, he's not, I don't think he's a Cy Young era pitcher anymore. I, I mean, I think that he's probably maybe like a nine to 9.5 K pitcher at most. I, I don't think he's a 10 K pitcher anymore. No, but for DFS, look at his last start. Yeah. He gave up three home runs, but he had 10 strikeouts. Yeah. All we care about in DFS primarily is strikeouts. He got 22.1 DraftKings points in six innings. The, the start before that, seven innings, eight strikeouts. He gave up with two, to two, three walks. More, my more concern is the walks. Yeah. Well, that, my walks. more concern is the four walk. Like we go back to his, to his, or to earlier this year, we could see in his first against at Colorado, two walks, then one walk, two walks, one walk, zero, two, Four, and that was a bad start of his, only seven strikeouts, two, zero. And then once we start getting into G- the early June, now we start seeing these walk numbers go the May and June, four, four, one, four, two, three, four. And I'm more concerned about the walks for two reasons. One, obviously it limits his ceiling because more pitches. Yeah, he has the longest leech in all of baseball. I mean, he could throw 115 pitches, but still the more pitches that he's throwing, the Less likely that we see here, he's going six innings, six and a quarter, six and a third, six and two thirds, but not like eights, not eights and nines, you know, those types of things. And also, once you're walking guys and you make a mistake, it's only a matter of time. Up, 
Right, you're not giving up a solo home run. You're giving up a three-run shot, and that like neg- that negates three of your strikeouts. That's the problem. I mean, that's that's what I mean when I say he's not a 10K pitcher anymore. Like I, but in it, comparison, then who would tell me? Then tell me who's a 10K pitcher? If Trevor Bauer's not a 10K pitcher on a normal slate, yeah, he's not a 10K pitcher on a slate where Degrom is on the slate. Sure. But any other slate, why wouldn't he be a 10? Why would on today's slate? We have Trevor Bauer at 10-9 on DraftKings, Freddie Peralta at 10-5, and Giolito at 10-3. What's shouldn't all of them be? Zach Greinke is 9,800. So, uh, so, so you're telling me that Trevor Bauer should be priced under Zach Greinke? Okay, but I mean, you and I both know that it's all relative of like the slate cost. But like, if I were to say over the course of the season, like he he was yeah, but what slate? What slate would Trevor Bauer not be 10K? The only slate that I could see you making that example is when Degrom is 11K, and it's like, well, then Bauer should be 9,500. Degrom, uh, you Darvish probably, uh, Clayton Kershaw probably a 10K pitcher still. Um, let's see, not many. No, I mean, but there's like six or seven. Like I'm, I'm forgetting a couple. But like, yeah, but let's little... let's take let, but but on, on the course of the slate. I mean, look at the slate that we have today. We got Eli Morgan, Garrett Richards, Matt Manning, uh, Dylan Bundy. Yeah, I, I, and, like, I have like, who's not going to be Trevor Bauer's going to be a ten k pitcher. I have seen the pitching options today, and like slates like this, of course. I mean, there's an opportunity cost of fading somebody and just getting the raw points. I get that, right? Kyle Hendricks is ninety one hundred. Trevor Bauer should easily be more expensive than that. Zach Greinke being ninety eight hundred is way more egregious than Kyle Hendricks being ninety. Well, the opposing total is only three point three. I don't care. He's a magician. He sucks. He he doesn't give up. I mean, I know. I I do not think that that Zach Greinke is a ninety eight hundred dollar pitcher, and I would never pay ninety eight hundred for Zach Greinke, no matter the slate. I wouldn't even no pay matter the he- slate. So if if Zach Greinke was ninety eight hundred, and then we have Jared Eikhoff and Matt Manning and Garrett Richards and. <laughs> look at look at the no, man. I'll, I'll take my shots on the on the cheap guys. You'll I'll take your take shots on eighty two hundred dollar Dylan Bundy against the Yankees. I'll just take my I'll just take my variance. Just give me cheap guys and give me the biggest. Danny bat. Duffy at eighty eight hundred against Boston. And I'd rather stack against Granky when he's ninety eight hundred than play him. I'm not playing ninety eight hundred dollar Granky. Or do you think people are going to play Eli Morgan today after the after he, he apparently came out? We all we all played stuff against him the last start. I mean, this for what it was his first ever start. Like he's a yeah. rookie. He's a. I, I've already heard like three people mention him. So I don't nine know. strikeouts in five innings against the Cubs. Yeah, that's a lot. Right now he's facing Detroit, which yeah, people we like picking on Detroit, and he's, he's probably going to project like God. Maybe Eli Morgan's on the stuff. Maybe he is. Maybe he'll be the next one to get ejected. Also, I do want to mention that I did say that somebody would get ejected, and you disagreed with me. Why? Oh, that someone would actually get the yeah. I, did I really think it was Hector Santiago though? Well, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, out of all the pitchers, why would it be him? Like out of anyone? Why? <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I don't know. On, on a slate like this, um, typically, like, yeah, I'm probably gonna have quite a bit of Trevor Bauer, just because. Who else am I gonna play? Like, I, I, I thought you said you can't point. pay 10k for him. I don't want to pay 10K for him, but like on the slate, I need the raw points. Kind of same thing as like, um, I don't know, man. If if somebody is like 9,500 on a basketball slate where there, there's just nobody else can get me raw points, but I don't think that they're like a $9,500 player, I just have to take the raw points somewhere. Like I have to be able to fill out my roster somewhere. Um, and the bats likely aren't going to be expensive enough or like valuable enough for me to really get there. So 
I don't know. I'll, I'll probably play Trevor Bauer on the slate, but then I'm probably going to just like play roulette with everybody else and just limit everybody else like 22% or something like that. And just, just throw my hands up in the air because slates like this, when you, when you have all these guys who are either question marks or super small samples, or um, we don't know anything about them or unknowns. And then just one guy who's like good, you, you just, you play Russian roulette with it. And you just hope that you land on the right combination with, with these cheap pitchers and hope that you land on the triple dong. And that's, that's pretty much where it goes. I really, I like slates like this because people are going to jump on Eli Morgan, Eli Morgan. And there's going to be like some weird chalk on people that don't even really deserve to be chalk. And you can attack that really easily. Like the Tigers are probably a great stack today because Eli Morgan is going to be like what? 35% owned or something like that. Well, that's a great stack on, on DraftKings. On DraftKings. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not on, that Eli Morgan's not going to be owned on, on FanDuel. No, not literally at all. But what makes yeah. but, but 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 here is the question. You talk about Trevor Bauer. What makes Freddie Peralta any different from Trevor Brower, other than the fact that his past two starts since this crackdown doesn't seem to affect him? But who's who says that it won't? Well, who my, says that my, this is the start that Freddie Peralta gets blown up? My guess is that Freddie Peralta is going to project better than Trevor Bauer for me, and like I'll probably have plenty of Freddie Peralta. I, I mean, I I don't have like biases against these guys for their name value outside of Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole, who I know have been cheating. And like, who, he, but who, maybe Freddie Peralta's cheating. Maybe he has, but he, he has not looked affected. I, I mean, that's the thing. Oh, but you it's say like, small sample size. You say, well, yes. one start there, just who knows? Right. Urias is bad and then he's good. So maybe, maybe Peralta's right. move is to be good and then bad. Maybe, maybe, but we can say that about any pitcher. We can say that about. Yeah, but that, does that mean people will jump on Peralta and go, well, I can't trust Trevor Trevor, uh, Trevor Bauer. I'm going to trust Freddie Peralta. Peralta ends up coming in 50% owned and then gives up three home runs and, and, and seven, and it has five strikeouts and is out in three innings. And it's like, uh-oh, Freddie Peralta's on the stuff. You know, like just because we didn't see it the last start doesn't, but I'm, I'm willing I'm willing to just do what the opposite of whatever the field is going to do. So if you're going to tell me that I can get Trevor Bauer for 12% ownership, which yeah. I don't think I am. No, I'm more willing to just say that it's Trevor Bauer and whatever. Like she could strike a 12 guys. Like, I can agree not? with that. I mean, I, I can agree with that. I just think that like people don't galaxy brain that hard. People aren't thinking about that the same way that you and I are. People see, people see Trevor Bauer and it, like, keep in mind that maybe what 35, 40% of the field maybe is like watching shows like this and paying attention to people like you and me and like, getting this kind of like kind of uh, subjective information. Right. And then there's a whole other 60% of the field that maybe isn't listening to that stuff. Maybe 20% of them are doing their own research and they're like, Oh, Trevor Bauer doesn't look the same. Maybe 10% of them get lucky. And then 30% of the field is just like name value. Here's Trevor Bauer. So like that's, that's why you're not getting Trevor Bauer at low ownership. It doesn't matter if he, because like you said, he, he had plenty of strikeouts, but those walk problems, you and I know, that when that whip goes up, that that's danger zone. Like if he walks four batters, he walks five batters in a, in a game. Those are no longer solo home runs. Those are multi run home runs or multi run extra base hits. And that's what kills pitchers. It's, it's right, well, not that, like those, those are exactly run. the pitchers that I try to attack. Right. Exactly. But people, exactly. when people ask me, like if there's, any, of course I look at projections, but there is there, as far as the variance of a pitcher, is that I, I'll, I'll, I'll like, that's why like, I don't typically attack Zach Greinke. No. Yeah. He's, is he not? Is he a great pitcher? No. But does he walk guys? No, he really doesn't. He doesn't walk people. Kyle Hendricks until like the beginning of this year, rarely walk guys. 
Kenta Maeda rarely walk guys, but I, but you know, you, you see Dylan Bundy on the slate. You see Danny Duffy on the slate. I mean, some right. of these guys, you know, Brad Keller's on the slate. He could walk seven guys in a game. And it's like, that just gives me more opportunities for ceiling scores than guys that like, Oh, they, that get so I don't want three solo shots. I want the team to score 12 runs because the guy has just been putting guys on base the entire game. Right. But that also, you have to look at the opposite side is that if you're, rostering pitchers that are high variance like that also that you can't be just you can't when i take a look at the in the bat right now on DraftKings, it has trevor bauer floor 11.48 so that's the 25th percentile 75th percentile is 35.95 like i think with this crackdown like this this curve is not as normally distributed anymore i'd agree as opposed to in the past so it still exists. It's still okay. That these these are the ranges of outcomes. But instead of seeing a lot more 24s, right? Somewhere in the middle, like that 50th, 54th percentile, 58th percentile outcomes, we're going to see a lot more 14s and 31s. Like either he's on or he's not on. And while the median here may be 23, like maybe that, that curve doesn't, isn't, isn't that nor isn't isn't a, it's a, a nice smooth bell curve anymore? It's more a little bit more lopsided. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be one of those things where people look at pitchers and and I've kind of been saying it over the last couple of weeks of saying, well, I, I don't really feel like I need to prioritize any of these really high priced pitchers this week just because one well, the, you're going to play. Well, no, no, no. I'm and I'm just saying in general. I feel like the DraftKings algorithm has been. Um, kind of mispricing a lot of pitchers. We, we've seen a lot of pitchers significantly cheaper than they probably should be over the last couple of weeks. So I've been stacking the Braves. I've been stacking the Dodgers. I've been stack, stacking the Yankees. I've been stacking these really expensive teams lately just because I have the money to do it. I mean, I mean the twins, like pitchers, I don't think uh, like it's been pricing up the aces quite a bit, not Jacob DeGrom near enough. He needs to be 13 K, but it's been pricing up the aces, but it hasn't been pricing up these guys who should be in the mid tier. They're sitting in like the seven K range or the 6,500 range when they should be like 7,500 to eight K or something. So there there's all the savings of pitcher. I haven't felt that I needed to pay up, but um, on sites so, like so this, today, that means on DraftKings you're playing Wade LeBlanc and Jeffrey Rodriguez. I have no idea who I'm playing yet. I haven't right. even. It's a 9,300. Uh, Wade LeBlanc is 5,300 and Jeffrey Rodriguez is 4,000. I probably am not doing that. Although they're probably pitch. underpriced. They probably Maybe are. Maybe not Jeffrey but... Rodriguez, but Wade LeBlanc, it depends on how, how much, it really depends on how long these guys pitch for. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you well, if you say that these guys are going to pitch 90 plus pitches, yeah, they're way too, they're, no one should be priced that low to pitch yeah. 90 pitches. Especially in Arizona like and the Mets. Yeah. Especially against something like this, where like, you you could make an argument outside of basically Trevor Bauer and Freddie Peralta. You can make an argument that any pitcher on this slate is going to outscore any pitcher on this slate. I think maybe not Thomas were... Eshelman. Maybe maybe not him. Who? Thomas Eshelman. He's oh, well, he, I, I mean, he's really really bad. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but uh, and who's he up against? Is he up against the Astros today? Yep. Ugh. All right. In Houston, at least they're in Houston, not in Baltimore. I just just relegate the the Orioles. What's up with that? Can it, ever since I started playing MLB DFS, they've never had a pitching staff. Four years straight. Four years straight. Like never. Just like when John Means is like their ace, 
It's like, dude, John Means three years ago was the one I was stacking against. He's he's the, when when Jorge Lopez, I'm like, he's not as bad of a pitcher as people think he is. He's not, and but and he's still a bad pitcher. I know. <laughs> I know. And I say it like I actually uh, there, there's a running joke in the community over at Pater. We call him uh, Jorge Pater Lopez because like I I have been saying all year like this guy is not as bad as he looks like I know he looks bad and like eventually it falls apart but like he's not that bad but it's the freaking Orioles so of course he's gonna give up runs and then get into the bullpen where lo and behold they put in uh man I can't what no my my the the, the music to my ears is when uh, Jorge Lopez gets knocked out in the fourth inning and Adam Plutko comes in. Yeah, yeah, Adam Plutko, dude, every time. Like, he comes in and it's an automatic home run. Right, it's that's like, I used to be automatic. for the Marlins, right? But when he, when he, uh, when uh, you, like, Yui Chen would have a horrible three innings and it's like, okay, let's get to the bullpen and here comes Dan Straley. Yeah. I'm like, okay, my stacks are good. He's going to give up like four home runs this inning. It sucks, man. Just relegate the Orioles. I don't understand how they're allowed to just continue to be what they are, like a walking Coors Field. Like they, they are the only reason why Glaber Torres has a contract in the MLB. <laughs> it's, it's egregious. I, I really, really hate that they just can't field even a slightly competitive pitching environment. And, and I mean, I, even the hitters, are they still playing Chris? Are they still paying Chris Davis? Yeah, of course they are. But, like, at least their hitters, I will say, like, their offense has not been the worst this year. They do have some pretty good hitters. Like, Cedric Mullins is a legit good hitter this year. Uh, Anthony Santander has legit good power. DJ Stewart is not the worst. Ryan Mountcastle. uh, Mancini. Yeah, Trey Mancini. Like, their bats are actually pretty good. But they will never be a winning team. Well, because they have to score seven runs a game. Right. They have to score double the league average in order to just score a win, man, because their pitching staff is just, it's like they're trying to give up runs. It's like they're trying to be the worst pitching staff in a five-year span in history. And I just, just relegate them, dude. I'm just tired of dealing with them. Throw them in the minors. Who cares? And and this week, like last week, it was like, okay, well, guess I have to fade the freaking Blue Jays because they're going to be 40% owned on a 12-game slate. And... They, they get there, like Vlad Guerrero hits a home run, Marcus Simeon hits a home run, Bobchek gets a triple for no reason. Like, And then this week, we get the Astros, who are great again, even though they're, you know, we went from cheating scandal to cheating scandal, and now the Astros are great again. And Jose Altuve is going to hit a leadoff home run every single day, and I'm just going to throw my entire laptop out the window. I don't even use a laptop. I'm going to find one and throw it out the window. It's just... Yeah, MLB DFS has become, is there cores on the slate? And are the Orioles on the slate? <laughs> right. And today, if it was an all-day slate and you get to choose between stacking and cores or stacking against the Orioles, like, those slates are okay. But they don't include the Rockies game with the Orioles, and now we just have the Orioles. And it's the Astros, and it's just it's, – it's so hard, especially for somebody like me. Like, I don't – I almost refuse to stack – if a team is going to have an aggregate of over like 120, just as like an individual stack, I pretty much, I like won't stack them because why bother? I, that I don't pass anything by doing that, but I need to get past that. You also have to realize they're not as cheap as they used to be. No, they're not. I mean, uh, uh, most of these guys are in the, in the high five or Alvarez is now 5,800. 
And Trey actually, is fifty three hundred. Altuve is fifty eight hundred. I mean, to, even Toro is up to thirty five hundred at least. He's not sitting there at twenty one hundred yeah. anymore. You still get the cheap catcher. Tucker's. They finally got him up to forty four hundred and not in the three thousand thirty two hundred or something. The way he so was. silly, right? So like, I, I mean, even on this slate, the Astros have a six point one nine current implied run total. Wonderful. Uh, but they're off, but with your strategy though, if you're not going to pay up for Trevor Bauer, like, well, now you could afford the, you could afford the Astros. <laughs> Woo! Yay! Yeah, now I get to stack the forty percent owned freaking Astros. They're not going to be that owned. Come on. No, they won't be that owned. They'll, I mean, they'll be owned. Um, but th- there was actually a slate last week where the Blue Jays they projected like far and away the best team in my model, far and away. Right, but they're also like th- that on that slate on Fanduel, like they were like Vlad was like. It was a, it was what a fourteen game slate. And he was thirty three percent owned. No, 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 no. I'm talking about another slate where they they projected as the best overall team, but they were so expensive that people couldn't stack them with other teams that were worthwhile. Oh. So like they ended up coming in at like twelve percent owned, and I was like, well, you know, screw me. Like I I would have stacked them if I had thought that they were going to come in at a third of the ownership that that they were projected for, but they just like. It was like Marcus Simeon was 5,600. Vlad was 6,300. Bichette was 5K. Teoscar Hernandez was like 4,500 or something like that. So they were so expensive and there were pitchers that were worth paying for and nothing in the lower ranges of pitchers that people just couldn't stack them. And, and so that ended up being a really weird, like, well, projections love them and ownership is supposed to be super high on them. So I have to fade them. And then they come in at 12% owned and I just, I don't even want to play that slate anymore. Like I didn't want to open my phone because I could have had the best stack possible on the slate, like with leverage uh, at 10% owned. But I, I, I hate when projections get wrong like that, when ownership projections miss on things like that, because that just seems like something that should be caught by most ownership projection systems. Well, I think on today's slate, I mean, I think it's going to be fairly spread out. We have, I mean, for slates this year, we have multiple, I mean, we have half the teams that have over a five total. I mean, the Yankees, 5.79. The Indians, 5.28. The Royals, five. The Red Sox, almost six. Uh, the, maybe not the Cubs and the Brewers. The Cardinals, five. I don't trust that. They, do you trust the Cardinals? Anytime the Cardinals project well, I just have to, in my head, go, it doesn't matter what they projected. They're ne- they never get there. There's the things. Cardinals. Do they ever uh, get there? Ever? They do get there. I mean, they get there, but they get there in like bursts. Whereas, like they're they're a super streaky team, and that's because like their best hitter right now is Tyler O'Neill, uh, and then probably Nolan Arenado, and then I don't know, like those two are the only two really good hitters. Gold, but Goldie, Goldie's fine. I didn't. I, he has not been fine. I mean, he's better than Yadier Molina. Yeah, sure, but I mean, like if we're talking about hitters that I actually trust, I mean, I'll play Tyler O'Neill. I'll play. You don't Nolan trust Arenado. Lars Newtbar. I'm not playing Lars freaking Newt Bar, man. <laughs> Sounds like a trust Lars. What happened to Paul DeJong? He's back. Didn't he used to be good and now he's batting eighth? Yeah, well, I mean, they they got Nolan Arenado, and I guess like I, I don't know. I, he he should be batting eighth though, because like their their top hitters are probably something like Tommy Edmond, Paul DeJong, or Tommy Edmond, uh, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Tyler O'Neill. Um, Dylan, Dylan Carlson, Carlson is leading off. What's up? Dylan Carlson? I, he should not be leading off. He should be hitting fifth. But 
I, I don't know. I don't think that DeJong is like a top five hitter for him right now. But I think, the Card- I think the Cardinals have this total because, uh, you know, you know what the Diamondbacks are. The Diamondbacks are like the, the, the Western version of the Orioles. They are. And their bullpen is hilariously bad. Right. Hilariously bad. Uh, so it's always worthwhile to second Steinbacks. Unless they have Merrill Kelly on the mound. And Merrill Kelly actually is pretty good. He's, he's uh, not that good. He's pretty good. He's better than people think. That's a, he's, he's, he fits the Jorge good. Lopez model. Pretty good. Yeah. People stack against him and they're like, they, actually, he's not as bad as people think. Right. Yeah. I don't play him, but I just like, he's not as, he's, he's not I, like I, a ass can. I had, uh, I had 15% Jorge Lopez, uh, just, just for the culture, just because I, I no, do. I, like... I've rostered Jorge Lopez this season before. He... I roster Jorge Lopez when he's pitching against the chalk stack. Which it's... almost always is. Right. Where it's like him. I, I think I, I played him at like 1% against the twins and then. He like got like seven strikeouts in five yeah. innings. It's like, okay, great. 20% of the lineups are dead on one side. And I got a 1% on pitcher with 22 points. Yep. That's like, like 5,000 or whatever. Yeah. He's like $200 or something on DraftKings. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. The Cardinals, they'll, they'll get there, but they're, they're streaky. So they're going to get there for like a week and then they won't do anything for a month. Yeah. But I'll, I'll be playing them during that month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, you will. And you'll fade them during the week. Because right, I be see popular. their ownership. I'll look at their projection. I'll see that. Oh, no one wants to play the Cardinals today. I'm loading up with the Cardinals. And then they scored the, the three runs on two hits. And like, how did that happen? Yeah. I, I stacked them up yesterday. Zach fly. I'm like, come on, really? That's, that's it. I had plenty of them yesterday and they, uh, they were getting perfect gamed. <laughs> I had like 25% of them or something. Sucks. Dude. Doesn't that suck the most? Yes, that's the worst. It's the worst when a team that you like are relatively heavily exposed to. I mean, 20% is pretty high. Uh, and so 20% of your lineups have literally not recorded a single point from their main stack. Not a sing, not a walk, not a single, not a hit by pitch, a perfect game against them. And for then eight you start making set, you start thinking in your head, you're like, well, the sixth inning, they could just score nine runs. Yeah, you got to hope. happen. That can happen, but it doesn't. It never does. A man has to have hope, Jordan. Because if you give up hope, that's when you've given up on the game. So uh, you just got to hope that they score a lot of points. I don't know. There's there's teams that are like that, though. Um, I was talking to – The Yankees are like that. The Yankees are like that. The Yankees are super streaky, um, which is – The Phillies? The Phillies, I, I've noticed, are like that. The Phillies are a weird team. I think the Reds? I, I'm, I'm going to end up naming all the teams. Just – there's no, some no, point because... where I played them for like three straight days and they've done nothing. So, <laughs> right, I, I'm gonna have some bias in there that you're like, like, oh yeah, I remember stacking the Nationals every day for five days and them doing nothing. Oh, it's right. the Nationals, right? Yeah, it, the, I mean, teams are inherently streaky. The the teams that are the best teams in the league are the ones that are not streaky. So the the more streaky a team is, the worse they are. The Orioles are the streakiest team in the world, but sometimes they'll put up twelve runs. Uh Cardinals sometimes will put up 12 runs, but teams like the Dodgers and the Astros and the Twins, like team, teams that are consistently doing well or more consistently doing well, uh, those are the ones that are going to be like in the playoffs and in championships, stuff like that. But um, we don't really care about that for DFS, obviously. I, I, well, I mean, you can. Like there, there was one person, um, Anthony Amico, uh, who had this idea of like, okay, before the season starts, I'm going to choose three teams. I'm going to stack them every slate. And those are the only three teams that I'm going to stack all year. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. You're going to catch the hot streaks. 
So like if you choose, like if you choose a team like the Twins or a team that was maybe underrated to do well this year, at like the uh, the Giants or something like that. Like if you thought the Giants were a better team coming into this year than the public did, and you were just like, I'm just going to stack Giants every single slate just because I think they're going to be better than like Vegas thinks they are. People think they are. They're going to be like 2% owned forever. Uh, you know, you'll make a killing on that or you're going to lose, you know, as much money as you would if you were randomly picking teams. So it's, it's an interesting strategy. I, I like doing things like that. There are some teams that I almost always have exposure to. I almost always have exposure to some teams like the twins. I have uh, a lot of days where I have exposure to the rays. I have a lot of days where I have exposure to, uh, the Tigers this year, I've had a lot of Tigers because they, they actually do have some pretty competent hitters. So it's it's been interesting this year to kind of look and see, okay, I'm hardly ever stacking the Phillies. I'm hardly ever stacking the Diamondbacks, but there are teams that I'm on a lot of days that don't even seem like I should be on them, but I just am. Well, it used to be with the vomit stacks that I – Pirates, Marlins, Tigers, like every day. Yeah. Now, I, now I'm the opposite. Now – most likely, you give me an expensive stack that no one else could get. That most likely, I'm playing them because at least the the pricing has gotten a little bit better on DraftKings. They've they've raised the floor in some of these some of these guys. We're not yeah. getting these 21. And I mean, Wander Franco is not 2K anymore. You know, like those types of things. But still, I mean, like the Tigers are still like. Was there? I mean, Jonathan Scope is 5300, and then Akil Badu is 3000. Like, there's no reason for that. That right. Difference. Just because Scope has had a you know a nice you know two week period, like he, he's not a fifty three hundred dollar hitter. Sure, yeah. I mean, it was like last year. I think it was uh, David Peralta and ended up being like a fifty seven hundred dollar hitter or something at one point in the season. Right and now like, he's like twenty four hundred. I, I had I had taken like a two week break from MLB or something like that. I was dealing with some work stuff. I'm taking a two week and I come back and I see that David Peralta is 5,700. I'm like, what happened while I was gone? That this guy is 5,700. This is like a $3,900 hitter. Why is he 5,700? It's so weird, man. The, the streaky stuff. And I think it's weirder when guys like Kyle Schwarber, who has hit a home run pretty much every single game for what, like six months straight or something, right? That's what it like, seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he was still like 4,200 this last slate, that shouldn't happen either. Like the algorithm should catch him just home run, home run, home run, double dong, home run, triple dong. Like he should be at the end of this two week stretch that he's been on around 5k, but he's not, and he's not being rostered and he's not being owned and that kind of stuff. I think that's weird. And it does kind of make me think like, there is something to buying into those hot streaks and kind of riding them as long as you can until they go cold. It's just so hard to quantify it. That's, that's why I don't do it. I acknowledge that hot streaks are like something that maybe happen, uh, but it's, it's impossible to quantify. So I can, I can never subscribe to it. Right. Kyle Schwarber is like, what is, what, what is he today? 4,700, I think. That's getting closer, but he, he should be over 5k. But DJ LeMay, who shouldn't be 5,500. No. Like, yeah, that's, the, that's, I think that's more of the point. It's not like the, the raw salary. It's just like, why are some guy, like, why is Jonathan Scope more, why is Jonathan Scope 300 more than Shoei Otani? <laughs> right. Right. Why, why is DJ Jonathan... LeMay 500 more than Show? Why is DJ LeMay priced over Aaron Judge? Right. Like, why? Wait, why, why does, no why does that happen? It's so weird. 
And I, I understand there's like, there's a very, very heavy bias towards guys that hit towards the top of orders frequently that are highly owned frequently that are having success. So like, that's most of what the baseball algorithm is for DFS. Like Louis even Arias on the Brewers is 5k on DraftKings. Why? <laughs> Why? Why is this happening? Dude, it's, it's weird. And like Kyle Schwarber, why is he cheaper than all of those guys? Except for Shohei. Shohei should be like 6,200. Right. Mookie Betts today is 5,500. Shohei should be more expensive than that. Well, Shohei should be 6,000. He should be like the most expensive hitter on the slate. Should Lars Newtbar be 2,300 though? Yes. <laughs> what does he even look like? It sounds like something that came out of Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It does. It doesn't make any sense. So I said, who names their kid Lars? Newtbar. If well, if what kind of last, last name is Newt Bar? If your last name is Newt Bar, you shouldn't name your kid Lars. Well, I'm assuming it's I'm assuming ethnically that that makes sense. Well, okay, that makes sense. I guess I guess in the Americanized version, if DFS degenerate said, uh, "Look at Bellinger's prop." <laughs> Cody Bellinger against Disclafani today is 3,900. Why? <laughs> That's so Betts is 55, Muncie's 54, Turner's 52. Batting cleanup. Cody Bellinger, 3,900. It's dumb. Luis Arias batting leadoff for the Brewers against Kyle Hendricks is 5,000. Kyle Hendricks is a $9,100 pitcher, by the way. Yeah, but I, that's in relation. There's really bad pitchers on the slate. Okay, I get that. It's just... It, that, that... Why, is, why is Cody Bellinger the same price as Christian Vasquez? Like, why, why does that happen? <laughs> right? Why is he... Why is it, Eric Haas is 3,800. So for 100 more, you get Cody Bellinger batting cleanup for the Dodgers. Yeah, that's the funny. Dominic Smith is more is cost more than Kevin Pillar costs more than Cody Bellinger today. And watch, all of them are going to hit home runs, and Cody Bellinger right, is go going to – Of course, of course. But you know Bellinger on, on DraftKings is probably going to be like 20, 25% on, on this slate. And, and yeah, he will and probably – probably that's what he should be. Yeah. At 3,900, of course he should be that expensive. Right. Or of course he should be that highly owned. Right. What I'm going to do, I'm going to make that same lineup, leave leave 1,600 on the table and play Lars Newtbar instead. <laughs> yeah, dude, you got to get different somehow, right? Right. It'd be a weird slate. I, I mean, I am excited for this slate, though. Like I said earlier, I, I like when there are a lot of pitchers that aren't really that good. That are the, like the ownership has to go somewhere. Right. So but look at the totals. I mean, the, to me, this seems more like a, a try to try to not have landmines in your lineup. Like I don't, I don't even know if it comes down to the pitch. It comes down to not having a negative pitcher in your in your lineup today. Right. And my point is that there's probably going to be quite a few people who have that negative pitcher. So like, let's figure out which one people want to own and hope that that's the one that goes negative. Eli Morgan. And Eli Morgan, what's he projected for? Oh yeah, yeah wise, I don't have the money. ownership. Early, early ownership has him around thirty percent. Jeez, yeah, that's way too much. And he's projected for like fourteen. Right, right, it, I, which is which is good for sixty two hundred, but I don't know that that needed. Yeah, I mean at sixty two hundred, like I'd probably rather play Matt Manning against Cleveland, who can't score on anyone. I, I mean, I Wade know LeBlanc. that Matt Manning. I want to play Wade LeBlanc. Or Wade LeBlanc. Arizona. 
Yeah. He's not going to pitch enough. He's only been pitching two innings, one inning. Oh, who knows? Yeah, I mean, like with the – although the, there's – like these are super early ownership projections, obviously. Uh, if Giolito and Trevor Bauer and Freddie Peralta are, are all going to be about the same owned, which, I, I mean, maybe they should be. Well, it's quite uh, possible that Giolito gets wiped off the board because there's possible weather issues. In oh, game. is there? Okay. Right. That'll make it yeah. even more. That'll make it even more condensed on Peralta and Bauer. Yeah, and well, and my guess would be that Freddie Peralta probably gets more ownership than Trevor Bauer, just because Bauer is up against the Giants, who are a, a good team, and Freddie Peralta is up against the Cubs, who are not a good team. My guess is probably Freddie Peralta somewhere in the range of like forty-five percent. Trevor Bauer probably twenty-five percent. Uh, Eli Morgan is 35 percent. Yeah, yeah. And and then I don't know, like I, I don't know where else people go. People are not going to play Zach Greinke at that I mean, point. We should play Zach Greinke. No, I'm else. not playing Zach Greinke at that price. <laughs> yeah, outside of that, I, I mean, there's that, and that's kind of the thing. Like people are gonna latch on to Eli Morgan. People are maybe gonna latch on to Dylan Bundy. Uh, people like Dylan Bundy, the DFS industry. Like that, there's gonna be some guys that are cheap and are going to be able to be exploited by people who want to attack them just because people are going to own them way more than they should be. And that's, so it's like, this are a lot of fun, especially when you can just pivot right away from them. You can go Wade LeBlanc. You can go uh, Matt Manning. Hell, you can go Anthony Descalfani. Like you can go a lot of these different pitchers as SP twos and just like roulette around them. If you only have one lineup, just pay for Trevor Bauer and Freddie Peralta and then just like punt a team. I don't know. Um, I think there's a lot of value in, in fading these cheap pitchers that are going to get a lot of ownership, even though they're not very good. Right. Because they're not very, because you could get another not very good pitcher and just hope they do better. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, like Garrett Richards, I mean, he's a disaster, but he could be, he could be less of a disaster than Eli Morgan. Right. I mean, like, right. Kansas City's bad. The only reason Eli Morgan is getting ownership. If Eli Morgan on those last start pitched four innings and gave up seven runs, like no one would be even caring about him. Oh, he had so nine you mean- strikeouts in five innings. You mean if he did last start, what he's going to do this start? Four innings pitch. Well, hopefully, oh, hope, oh, that's what I hope. I, I hope so. I mean, too. I did the same thing with Alec Manoa, right? He had yeah. it, it, no one played him his first start. He did well, and then everyone played him the second start, and he got three fantasy points. Right. So I'm like, yeah. okay, and he was like forty percent owned. It's like one one start sample size. I, I let, I'll let you. I'll let everyone else go down that that rabbit hole. Bro, the I'll answer is. The answer is Danny Duffy. No, the answer is never Danny Duffy. (laughs) Except for who to sack against. None of these pitchers I want to play. No. I I mean, it it is a totally feasible strat here. Just like lock in Freddie Peralta and Trevor Bauer and just rotate five-man sacks. If you can fit them. I mean, there's only certain stacks. You you can't even fit them. You're going to be playing cheap guy. You're going to be playing a lot of Lars Newt Bar. I will have a lot. A lot of Lars Newt Bar one-offs. In order to I'm, do uh, I'm gonna call him the granola man. Sounds like what, granola what, bar, right? Lars Newtbar. Let me look him up. 23 years old, born in El Segundo, California. Lars Newtbar. That's not his full name. His name is Lars Taylor Tatsuji Newtbar. What? Yes. Taylor Tatsuji Newtbar. He grew up in El Segundo, California. Selected to personal life, 
is the great-grandson of businessman and philanthropist Herbert Newtbar. Newtbar's yeah. father, who's of Dutch descent, met his mother, who's Japanese, while they were student at Cal, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, whatever. What is what is Herbert Newtbar? Uh, what is what is his? What's uh, he famous for? Okay, let's see. What's he do? Herbert Victor Newtbar was an American businessman and philanthropist who endowed the various organizations and institutes, such as Pepperdine University. He is an Ellis Island Medal of Honor recipient. Uh, Newtbar mainly worked in the agricultural sector, purchasing and selling grain and animal feeds. In the 1940s, he was the vice CEO of Ralston Purina, now owned by the Swiss company Nestle. He was the president of the National Grain and Feed Association. He was also the chairman of the San Gabriel Valley Council in 1954 and 1955. Newtbar was a member of the World Affairs Council of Orange County. He and his late wife, Eleanor, created the Herbert and Eleanor Newtbar Institute on Law, Religion, and Ethics at Pepperdine University. In addition, the Hall of Fame building at the University of Southern California, baseball team USC Trojans, and the D-Dog Field is named Herbert B. Newtbar Baseball Office and Hall of Fame Complex. Newtbar was an acquaintance of Ronald Reagan and donated to his presidential library in Simi Valley. He was awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor in 2014, which is given to immigrants and their descendants with significant contributions to the United States. He turned 108 years old on November 8th. 2016 in Laguna Beach. He died a month later. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. So that, right. that, that's 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 Lars's dad. Wait, 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 wait. Lars is 23. And his dad was 108? This man turned 108 in 26. Did he have yeah. Lars when he was eight? Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Like, okay, hold on. Okay. No, he's the grand. Okay, Lars Newtbar is the grand. Is the there great. There we go. The great grandson. Not even the grandson. The great grandson. I was going to say, that dude is still running pure at 80 years old. Right. Like, he couldn't be the son because that would have him at like 80, right? 82 years old or something. That dude is still a sharpshooter at 80 years old. Yeah. No, no, no. He's that's great grandchild for sure. That makes a lot more sense. Uh, Man, what an interesting. Michael Dampier says Lars is just waiting for his inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's just playing baseball as as like a thing to kill time, right? Right. Well, now, I feel like I have to play some Lars Newbar now. Well, he's only 2,300 on DraftKings. He, pre- he doesn't project that badly. Like if I take a look on the bad projections, I'm assuming point per dollar wise, he doesn't come up that badly, right? Let me see. No, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. No, he doesn't come up that badly. 2.69x, batting seventh if he bats seventh lefty against Faria. Maybe you got to play some Lars Newbar today. Dude, I, I feel like. And, and I, you got you to play him and you got to watch the game. While feeding, you have to get some grains and yeah, or feed the squirrels or something in the yard. Well, he's part of the National Grain Association. You know, I I feel like I have learned so much about this man's history and this man's background that it would be a disservice if I didn't get some newt in my lineup. You know, right? You need you need to in order in order to get up there, you need you need the newt. You need the newt. Has he hit a home run this year at all? Has he done anything? (laughs) I don't know. Let's let's go look at the stats. Hold on. All right, Lars Newtbar. Game log. Let's see. Uh, he has not hit a home run. He has not stolen a base. Uh, perfect. Perfect. Great. I can't wait. 
<laughs> can't wait for the guy with no speed and no power. Can't wait. Can't wait to roster him. He's only struck out once. Okay, he puts the ball into play. Okay, that's uh, he, he has one extra base hit. He's only put, but it's only been up for like a week or so. Yeah, I, he did have a game with two hits. What does his minor league numbers look like? <laughs> okay, I'm going Fangraphs. Hold on. Yeah, what what is this? What does the steamers <laughs> look like? I love it. We're going to spend the, the 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 last the last ten minutes of the show talking about. <laughs> Talking about a large new team. All right. So in his entire minor league career, he has hit 14 home runs. Uh, how long is my if his minor league career is 10 years? That's not a lot. No, it's it's 14 in uh he's been in the minors since 2018. Okay, three years. He has uh give or take about 650 plate appearances. Like what's his X ISO or something like that? Well, his 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 ISO for the bat X is one thirty seven. Okay, so that's not good. <laughs> that's not good. Uh, his his walk rate is pretty good eight eight percent or so. Um, on base percentage three fifteen, pretty bad. Woba three hundred four. To me, to me, all this sounds like is Tony Kemp. Yeah, he's he's the most average hitter on the planet, is what he projects for. Just like he, just like some like a non-power kind of like go oh, you know, most likely bats eighth in a lineup and whatever. To is he be a good fair. fielder at least. So there we go. Is he good in the clubhouse? Why do they have this guy up? Because his great grandfather was Harold the Great Newt Bar. Like of that's course, his great grandson. That's it's all nepotism. Yeah, you can you you look at this guy's background and you say, man, large new bar, he's got to have good character. He's got to come from a hardworking family. His great grandfather was in agriculture and part of a world peace organization founded in California. And he was the vice CEO of the company that eventually became Nestle. No, Nestle. Bought, bought by Nestle. Bought, bought by, by Nestle. Nestle, right? So it's kind of the- and large. Large new bar is a hard worker. He works hard to get on base. He no, does he's not. He's, he's had family money this entire time. He has no incentive <laughs> to do. Maybe he should be better. He, in, to be he's fair, been in, living in, off the Newt Bar name for too long. <laughs> he needs to make a name for himself. And today is the day that Lars Newt Bar makes a name for himself. Hits his first ever major league home run. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, who, who, who are they facing? For, I mean, yeah, this that could happen. Let's do it. Jacob Faria is garbage. You heard it here first. The Diamondbacks pitching staff. You know what's going to end up happening? The lefty's going to come in and they're going to pinch hit him. <laughs> they're they're going to pinch hit the great Lars Newbar. I don't think so. He stays right, in. All no, right. They, 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 his great grand his great grandfather will roll in his grave. <laughs> they do that. What an incredible person! Yeah, this is going to be great. To, to be fair, in AAA in 2021, he did have five home runs and 93 plate appearances, which is. A little above average. He did have a stolen base. He had a 158 run scored plus uh, so far in AAA this year, um, which is pretty good. But uh, so far in the MLB, he has 63 run scored plus for for majors. But today's the day that changes. Today he hits a home run. Today, uh, he, today he's two percent done and he's in my GP winning lineup. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm already eight, I'm pre-ordering the Lars Newbar jersey already. 18 fantasy points today for Lars Newbar. $2,300 locked in. It's going to happen. Lock. Like the lock of the day. Lock of the day. 
Okay. So this is what we do on Mondays. <laughs> this, is, this, is we do on Monday. this is what we do. But the, but the, the, I mean, what else is there to talk about? There's baseball today. There's a slate going on. I'll be talking about you know we'll review it tomorrow. Obviously, uh, James, you have your models available at paydirtdfs.com, paydirt underscore dfs on Twitter, and uh, and obviously you guys could pick up the theory of daily fantasy sports with me and James. 15 hours long. It's 15 hours. Structured education. The game theory of DFS. Theoryofdfs.com. And uh, if Lars Dupor hits a home run today, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna have at least one lineup with him. You're right. You're gonna have a lineup with him, right? I, I might lock him. No, I'm not gonna do no, I'm not <laughs> right. I'll, I'm, I'll not, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lock it hundred percent just for a bit. 100% right. Lars Newt bar. That's a $500 joke. I'll, I'll get on board. No, with no, that. I've not, no, because he gets a zero and he ends up killing. I have a lineup with that's great and it has a zero from Newt bar, a Newt bar one off. I'm like, <laughs> come on. Why, why did I play the Newt bar one off in that lineup that killed me? Yeah, right? yeah, I, I get steak knives. I come in ninth place or something because of a Newt bar zero. And, and you have like $2,000 extra in salary. <laughs> right. Now, if that happens, I go, I go to his, I go to his grandfather, great grandfather's grave and I start. Kicking up some dirt. <laughs> so I'll tell Herbert. Herbert didn't teach his grandson, great grandson, very well. Okay. So uh, as always, hit the thumbs up button on the way out the door. Thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs. Subscribe button if you're new here. Notification bell to know when we go live. Grinders live coming up later today, and then I'll then I'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow, as I always am, for the DFS pregame show on Roto Grinders. Stop